Hello and welcome to Crossview Radio, weekly podcast for Wayne County. I'm John Marino, pastor of Crossview Church in Orville. We exist to glorify God by exalting Christ and magnifying the gospel for the joy of all nations. Last week we had a conversation uh, about pornography in the gospel, and we spent a good bit of our time discussing uh, the current statistics uh, on porn. It's almost impossible to live in today's world and not be affected in some way by our society's obsession with sex and lust. But it's not impossible to find freedom and hope. And as with all other sins, pornography is ultimately a disorder of worship. It reminds us of uh, one verse in particular that we've seen before, Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Uh, whatever you treasure reveals your heart. Uh, so important is it to guard your heart and, and to guard ourselves on the heart level that we read these words in Proverbs chapter 4, uh, verse 23, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. In other words, our actions are sourced in our hearts. Jesus says the exact same thing in Matthew 15, what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. Uh, What this does is it places the responsibility fully on our shoulders. That means we cannot blame this particular sin on something outside of ourselves. We cannot blame it on genetics or on a traumatic event that happened in the past or anything else. We have to take full blame for our sin. But understand that this gives hope. This is This is very offensive to say that we're responsible. We always want to be blame-shifting. The reason that it gives hope is because the Bible not only gives us a diagnosis of the depravity of the heart, it also provides us to the solution uh, to heart problems. Paul Tripp writes this, quote, Sex reveals my need of grace. God's call to sexual purity is as impossible for me to achieve without his help as it would have been for me to save myself, end quote. Uh, In my estimation, too many Christians are attempting to fight this battle with the wrong weapons. We try to use the weapons of the flesh. We try to fight sexual temptation in our own strength, and we fail to rely on the grace that God gives us. Paul completely rebukes this strategy to fighting sin in Galatians 3.3. Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Um, They started off the right way, but now they're wanting to complete their sanctification uh, in the flesh. Christian sanctification, as Paul teaches us, is a humble dependence on God's grace all the way through. We don't just depend on grace for our justification, we also depend on grace for our sanctification as well. And that's no less true in the present case of finding victory over pornography uh, and any sexual lust. Ultimately, we need to lean on God's grace to find hope. And here's where I want to give to us a little bit of a warning. Grace does not eliminate our need to pursue holiness. Understand that the Christian life is a life of continual repentance. We are going to sin, even in sexual ways. Uh, But understand that if you regularly consume pornography without repentance, you may be in danger of hell. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. You say, John, are you trying to scare us? Uh, My answer is kind of. I don't want to unnecessarily scare those who are in Christ 
and perhaps maybe weaken their understanding of these things. But I do want to scare those who think they're in Christ, but they're not. The key to all this, and the key to my statement here uh, that I made a moment ago is... Um, if you regularly consume pornography without repentance, without repentance is the key phrase. We know from 1 John that if we say we don't sin, we're liars and the truth is not in us. So we will sin. But we also know, according to 1 John, that our lives will not be characterized by continual sin and we will repent according to the pattern of 1 John 1.9. Genuinely converted individuals will sin but will always be repenting of that sin. What is your disposition towards pornography? Are you able to just indulge without repentance, or does the Holy Spirit continue to convict you of sin? So assuming that we're engaged in the battle and we're fighting, you know, how do we go about it? Well, for starters, let's look at Matthew 5, 27 to 30. Jesus says this, You have heard that it was said, You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away, for it's better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away, for it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go to hell. This passage presents to us a series of value judgments. What, uh, what, what is better than the other? Is an eye or a soul more valuable? Obviously, it's the soul. Jesus is not advocating self-mutilation. Rather, he's telling us to take seriously our battle against sin and be willing to do anything to stop it. Now, does this contradict what I said a few moments ago about fighting sin with the weapons of flesh? Remember I said we, we should not be fighting sin with the weapons of our flesh. But now we're saying, well, do whatever it takes and, you know, fight it and all this kind of stuff. This is not a contradiction. We're not saying, you know, let go and let God. Um, What we're acknowledging uh, is that we do put forth effort, but that the effort itself is dependent upon God's grace. It's not as if, you know, it's a little bit of God's grace and then a little bit of my effort and then a little more of God's grace and a little more of my effort. It's God's grace is behind the whole thing, pushing the whole thing forward. And so my effort is itself a testimony of, of God's grace. I don't uh, stop trying to fight the flesh, but I do fight the flesh, uh, my own flesh, relying on God's grace. I need God's grace in order to obey God. And so even in the middle of fighting the battle, there is a constant dependence upon God and a prayerful humility that characterizes the Christian and, and, and this humility that depends on him to grant the victory. Uh, and so one, one, one application of this, you know, Jesus is saying, if you're right, I cause you to sin, tear it out. One application of this is if you need to get rid of your phone, your iPad, uh, whatever it is, get rid of it. What, what's more valuable? Is your phone more valuable than your soul? Is your phone more valuable than, than your, than your moral purity? Is that real? Is that the value judgment we're going to make? At least, there should be some sort of software on it to prevent you from looking up pornography uh, if, you're, if, you're, if you're struggling in this area. These kinds of applications are helpful. But also, uh, what we need to recognize ultimately is that we need a heart change. And so purely or, or, or solely um, getting rid of the phone or solely putting software on it is not going to change the heart. Um, we're looking for more than just behavior change. 
So we fight the battle on this front uh, differently than just installing software. We do that. I think we should put up fences. We fight the battle on the heart by learning to value a different treasure. If we treasure God ultimately, we won't even want to partake in the sewage of the world. The Bible calls this renewing our minds. And the way to renew our minds is to saturate our minds in the word. But this process doesn't have the one-to-one correspondence we think it should have. You know, we think, well, you know, if I read my Bible for five minutes, I should have some sort of equal outcome on the other side in regard to fighting sin. And so if I failed today, well, I better read my Bible for seven minutes tomorrow and, uh, and I'll do better. Uh, I used to work for a uh, lawn care company applying fertilizer and weed control, and that was primarily all that we did. Um, most of the time, everything worked great, but there were always those lawns that were stubborn and difficult. And one of the things that I learned was that you can do all of the right things with the fertilizer and weed control, but there are dozens of other factors that go into making a nice, pristine lawn. For instance, it takes a proper mowing height, a proper mowing frequency. It takes regular watering, not too much water, not too little water, correct temperature, right amount of sunlight, good pH level, uh, on and on and on it goes. And if all you do is apply fertilizer and weed control, uh, you're not going to have the best looking law in the neighborhood. And while every illustration has its limitations, and I don't want us to take this too far, it does remind me in a sense of the Christian life. If if all I do is, if I, if I have this mentality that well, I'm just going to read my Bible for five minutes today or 10 minutes or 15 minutes, and then that's going to give me X amount of victory over my sin. Uh, and then I say, well, why isn't this working? You know, I, I've got a couple of problems in that scenario. The first problem is I'm viewing my Bible reading as pragmatic. You know, well, the only reason I read my Bible is so that I can, you know, get victory over these kinds of things. Or maybe it's something different, so I could find peace or so I could find contentment or fulfillment or whatever. It's a pragmatic understanding of viewing of reading my Bible. Um, as much as we should want victory over pornography, we should not view our Christianity as pragmatically getting me my desired goal. Jesus is the highest prize of our Christianity. But the other problem with kind of that mentality of, you know, five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, why isn't this working, is uh, is that we've already stated, you know, I'm viewing it as a one-to-one correspondence. It's the whole range of Christian pursuits that God uses to sanctify me. So I do need to read my Bible more than five minutes per day. And I also need to engage in fervent prayer. I need to fellowship with other believers so we can encourage one another in our battles against sin. We need to be reading good books like systematic theologies and Christian living books and regularly attending church. Some of you will probably accuse me of being legalistic in what I'm about what I'm going to say right here. But I believe that unless God providentially hinders you, you need to be at church for every service. The, the dating relationship that exists in modern Christianity, and I'm talking about the dating relationship between the Christian and church, you know, this kind of quasi-semi-committed relationship, that kind of dating relationship with the church is creating anemic Christians. And we need to be engaging in all of these things. We can't be saying, well, you know, I read my Bible for 10 minutes every day and, and I'm not finding victory anywhere, but there's a, a, a lackadaisical attitude in, in church. Um, 
that's in, that's indicative of something. If my heart is not loving the body of Christ, what does that say about my love for Christ himself? I mean, how, how does that how does that work out? Change happens slow. Uh, I don't have a a fast food drive-through solution for sin. Uh, rarely does it happen that way. Sometimes you hear those stories every once in a while. Someone gets saved, and just instantaneously, everything is is different. Um, but for most of us, sanctification is 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 slow. Uh, I will say that if Christ is your highest prize, and if you are pursuing Him and His Church and His Word and prayer and all of these things, more than likely. You're gonna, and you're doing it with right motivations too, by the way, uh, because as I said, Christ is the goal, the, the prize. I think more than likely, you're gonna look back several months down the road and say to yourself, "Boy, I think God has grown me in this area, so that I love Him more and I love sin less." In the grand scheme of things, ultimately, we're talking about pornography and addiction to it. Ultimately, you're not addicted in the strictest sense of that word to pornography. I want to listen to uh, what John Piper has to say about this real helpful uh, segment that I heard. So, uh, so let's let's listen to what he has to say here. What I mean by this is, if the stakes are high enough and sure enough, you will have all the self control you need to conquer any sexual temptation. For example, tonight. If you are feeling totally in the sway of a sexual desire, more blazing, more powerful than you have ever felt it in your life, and you believe you cannot resist the temptation to look at some nudity online, and suddenly a black-hooded ISIS member drags your best friend or your spouse into the room with a knife at his throat or her throat and says, if you look at that website, I will slit this throat. You will have self-control. You are not addicted. You won't click. Or, if a man walks into the room and says, if you look at that nudity, I will not give you the million dollars that I have in this bag, cash tax-free, but if you do not look at that nudity, I will give you a satchel with one million dollars in cash. You will have total self-control. Yes, you will. You are not addicted to that moment. Addiction is a relative term. The fact is, 99%, I'm just leaving 1% for wild pathological cases that I cannot imagine. The fact is, 99% of those who give way to lust in pornography or fornication or adultery are not decisively controlled by their sexual desire. They are decisively controlled by what they believe. What they believe will happen 
if they act on the lust or don't. That's what controls them. What they believe. Not the sexual desire. That's the excuse. The decisive issue is whether they believe the stakes are high enough and sure enough. If they are sure the friend will die a gruesome death, they will have self-control. If they are sure enough, and that's real money in there, and it's really tax-free, and it isn't stolen goods, they will have self-control. We can find victory in Christ. It comes from valuing and desiring and worshiping and having an awe in the right things. As Piper says, it comes from believing the right things. You pursue the pornography because you believe it will satisfy you. You know what that is? That's theology. It's bad theology for sure, but it's theology. Why is it theology? Because it's a rejection of, of Psalm 23.1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. When you click on the link or you look at the image, you believe that what you are going to experience is more satisfying than Jesus. You are making a theological statement about what you believe in. You are testifying to the opposite of Psalm 23.1. You are essentially saying, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall want. You are saying, God is not enough for you. You are being a theologian. And so the answer is not to reject theology. The answer is to be a good theologian. It is to believe the right things about Jesus and to find him satisfying, more satisfying than pornography. James 4.6 says, uh, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That's what we need, humility. Run to Christ, find him satisfying, worship him. He is enough. Pornography is like swimming around in a pit full of sewage when infinite joy is offered to us. Run to Christ, he is infinitely better. Thanks for listening to Crossview Radio. I'm John Marino, pastor of Crossview Church in Orville. We meet Sundays at 10 a.m. at the Orville YMCA. To find out more about Crossview Church, visit us online at crossvieworville.com.